good morning. Hey, we're on. <laughs> the microphones are on. <laughs> Y'all, let's sit up and sing together. enough these days. Oh, good morning. It is so good to see you here this morning. We're so glad that you're here. Let's sing O Little Town of Bethlehem. Dear Lord, 
we thank you so much for this morning and for this joyous time and the excitement of the of the day and of the season lord help us to focus all of our attention this morning on you lord help us to calm down and to steady our minds and our hearts to worship you this morning in your name i pray amen Thank you. 
turn and greet your neighbors and children come forward to join, join us for a few moments of sharing. good to see everybody this morning. I'm glad you're here. It's a big Sunday, isn't it? A lot of you are singing today. Are you excited? Me too. Have, has anybody ever heard this question, are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? Are you ready for Christmas? People ask that question all the time during this season. And they ask us if we're ready for Christmas, like if we bought all our presents and have we got our tree up in our house and do you have lights and all of that good stuff and decorations. There's lots of things you do. There's lots of things that we have to do to get ready for Christmas, right? But today I was thinking there's a more important question to ask than are you ready for Christmas? And that question would be, are you ready for Christ? That would be a different kind of question, wouldn't it? Are you ready for Christ? And there was, I'm going to tell you a story. There was this guy in the Bible, and his name was John. And John was kind of crazy. And he wore kind of crazy clothes. And his hair was really messed up. And he ate funny things like um, locusts. Have you ever heard about that? Do you know what that is? It's grasshoppers. Yeah, and he ate them, no, not frogs, and he ate, um, he ate them with honey. He ate honey, and I'm going to tell you, there's just not enough honey in the world to put on a grasshopper for me to eat it. I don't think I would do that. Would you ever do that? No, me neither. Me neither. And he, would, he did some pretty crazy things, but even though he did those things and he was a little bit on the wild side, there was something special that he came to tell all the people. And he told them to be ready for Christ. He said, you need to be ready. The time is now. Heaven is near. And Christ is coming soon. And you know what he would do? He would baptize people. They called him John the Baptist or John the Baptizer. And he would baptize people in the water. And he would say, I'm going to baptize you with water. But one day... Jesus is coming, and he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. And even though he was a little bit crazy, the people believed him. And that's a good thing because we believe him too. We know that Christ is coming and that, he, that we need to be ready for Christ just as much as we need to be ready for Christmas. Okay? And to be ready for Christ, you know what we have to do? We have to love him, and we have to have him in our hearts, and we have to act like he is with us at all times, every day, okay? Let's pray together. Will you repeat after me, dear Lord? Thank you so much for Christmas, but most of all, thank you for Christ. Amen.
It's good to see everybody here this morning. I know a lot of you are here anticipating the uh, Christmas program for children in the next hour. Hope you can stay for that if you're not already planning to. Uh, cleanup instructions today after this service are very simple. I'll ask you to stand up and turn your chairs around <laughs> because the stage for the uh, children's program is right behind us. So there's not much cleaning up from this service uh, to do later on. Uh, announcements, uh, but first, let me get you your prayer cards. Ushers, if you will help me, if you have a prayer request this morning, if you lift your hand, our ushers will get you a prayer card, and we will collect those in a few moments and share your concerns together. Children, a reminder to please join us for our Christmas party. Tonight, it's called a Christmas party fit for a king. Uh, 5.30 to 7 p.m. in the social hall, all children of Memorial and their visitors are invited to join us as we celebrate Christmas together. This will be a fun and special celebration of the real meaning of Christmas with fun and games and snacks and activities and story time. See you there tonight. Uh, reminder at the, uh, that today all children's Sunday school classes will meet in the gym for the to the program so even if the children are not in the program we want those classes to be here those children to be here to see the musical we are needing volunteers for 2011 to help us with uh, monthly refreshments which means you go pick up the donuts at uh, Dunkin Donuts so if you can help us with that see Andy or me we also need help setting up the, t the chairs on a, a Sunday mornings. Um, this morning, the offering envelopes for 2011 should be around in the back. Um, Ann's going to be here with them, Ann Hammond. So, um, and if you don't find some envelopes for you and you would like some envelopes to donate uh, this next year, please contact Ann or me and we will make sure that you receive those. Um, Got to share with you uh, another death within the congregation. Uh, Don Watson uh, passed away yesterday afternoon. Uh, don't know his funeral arrangements at this point, although it's likely to be Tuesday morning. So um, remember Priscilla and Don's family in your prayers today as we come together for worship. Um, okay, are there other announcements? I feel like I'm leaving something out. Um, if your prayer concerns are ready, if you raise your hand up, our ushers will come and collect them. You know, it's pretty bad when your preacher has the kind of reputation that I've got. Went up there this morning, we were just about ready to start singing, and I said, oh, i got a story to tell y'all. And my choir director up here, Kelly, says, Arthur, keep it clean. That's a bad reputation, but, you know, I've earned it. <sighs> Let's, uh, any others? Let us join our hearts together in prayer. We thank you, Lord, for these that have come. We thank you for the joy that is ours as we come together in your name. We're thankful for your love always. And these are our special prayers for this day. We pray for our troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We pray 
For Miss Jessica and all the children this morning as they perform, we pray for Priscilla Watson in her time of grief. We pray for Jake Patterson's continued healing and for the family and friends of all of, our, all of us who are seeking jobs today. We pray for a friend who is battling a potentially fatal brain tumor. Other prayers, Lord, that we have in our hearts and minds, we bring to you now, knowing that you hear even those things that we do not say, for you know us, you made us, and you know our thoughts before we think them. We pray in Christ's name, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who proceed. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What word did I miss? Uh, this time I'd like to invite uh, Wayne and Shaney Vafialis to come and lead us in the lighting of our Advent candles. And the children. His name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. Isaiah 9, 6-7. O come, desire of nations, bind all peoples in one heart and mind. Bid envy, strife, and quarrels cease. Fill the, world, the whole world with heaven's peace. Thank you very much. The um, scripture lesson for today comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. And those days John the Baptist came preaching in the desert of Judea and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, a voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. John's clothes were made of camel's hair and he had a leather belt around his waist. His food was locusts and wild honey. People went out to him from Jerusalem and all Judea and the whole region of Jordan. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not think that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The ax is already at the root of the trees and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. 
I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me will come one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not fit to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, gathering his wheat into the barn and burning up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Here ends the lesson. There's a voice in the wilderness crying, a call from the ways untrod. Prepare in the desert a highway, a highway for our God. The valleys shall be exalted, the lofty hills brought low. Make straight all the crooked places where the Lord our God may go. That is uh, one of the hymns from uh, our old hymn book that we used back at the Methodist Church until about 1989, written by James Milligan in 1925 to celebrate the union of the United Church of Canada, uh, made from uh, Methodist, Presbyterian, and Congregational congregations. It is obviously a reference to the ministry of John the Baptist, uh, and the story of John is read every year early in the Advent season because the church has always started the story of Jesus with John's baptism. It's where the ministry of Jesus is thought to have begun. John is often referred to as the last of the Old Testament style prophets. He is sometimes referred to as a second or the, the second Elijah because he certainly was the inheritor of Elijah's spirit and power. How much do we know about this man of unusual faith? Well, one of the interesting facts that we learn from the nativity stories from Luke is that John's mother, Elizabeth, and Jesus's mother, Mary, were cousins. And they visited with each other some, although they lived at a great distance apart. It's really not very likely that the boys spent much time together as little children because of the vast separation of distance between them, but at least their mothers knew one another. Luke tells us that John was the son of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Both of them were descendants of the priestly family of Aaron, uh, and Zechariah was a member of the priestly division of Abijah. They were very devout members of the Hebrew community, but they were childless. And in those days, people looked at you like there was something wrong with you if you didn't have children. And nowadays, they may look at you, look at you like you're pretty smart. But, uh, <clears throat> but anyway, back then, it was, it was thought to be a, a curse, really. And uh, it was thought to be a, a spiritual condition rather than a medical one in those days. And by now, Zechariah and Elizabeth were not only childless, they were quite old. Uh, the team that he belonged to was due to take their turn in the temple. And they drew straws to see which one of them would have the honor and the responsibility to light the incense on the altar. And Zechariah won. While the worshipers were assembling outside the temple, Zechariah inside had a visit from an angel, and he was terrified. Here he was in church, and God actually showed up that day. 
the angel tried to calm his fears, telling him that his many years of prayer had finally been heard and he and Elizabeth would be having a child. The baby was to be named John, the angel said, and he would have the power of Elijah and be called to the mission of restoring people to the faith of Israel. The words of the angel had to have had a great impact on the way that John was raised by his parents, as they are almost a direct quote from the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi. See, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. I will send you the prophet Elijah before the great and dreadful day of the Lord comes. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to their fathers. The Lord will be like a refiner's fire or a launderer's soap. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the Levites and refine them like gold and silver. Zechariah reacted to this angelic visitor much like you and I would. You've got to be kidding me. I'm old. Elizabeth is old. How can I know that what you're telling me is true? The angel Gabriel replied, here's your sign. Because you doubted me, you'll be silent until the baby's born. And the words of the angel came true immediately. Zechariah couldn't say a word. And soon Elizabeth was expecting her first child. Eight days after the baby was born, when it was time to circumcise and name the baby, the scribes were about to record his name in their records as Zechariah after his father. But Elizabeth said, no, name him John. Well, they thought this was wrong. And they took, they took Zechariah a tablet to see what he wanted to name his son, and he wrote John. His name is John. And the minute he wrote that on the tablet, his voice returned to him and he could speak and he praised God. It is likely that um, Elizabeth, Zechariah, and John lived some distance away from Jerusalem, way out in the edge of the wilderness, because we know that that's where John was raised. The harshness of that environment produced a very rugged young man. And in that area, there were some other people that lived in hermit-like communities. Some of these were the Essenes who gave us the Dead Sea Scrolls. As you see there, the caves high up in the, on the mountains there. Those hermits uh, made copies of the scripture which lay hidden for many years and were found after World War II and have helped greatly in Bible study. But it was a good thing to be way out in the desert because for one thing, these hermits were away from all the temptations that came to them in the big city. Secondly, they pretty well would be left alone. Uh, the Romans had better things to do than to suffer out there in the wilderness too. And uh, so they were allowed to live with some degree of freedom. It is thought that John was a member of one of these hermit groups and he, he excelled in his spirituality. Some have thought that perhaps since Elizabeth and Zechariah were so old, that they died before John was raised, and this community was known to adopt orphans and raise them. And some have wondered if that's why John ended up being a part of their community, having been adopted, so to speak, by the Essenes. 
By the time John was 30, he looked the part of a hermit, a wilderness hermit. He wore clothes made out of camel hide, and he ate locust and wild honey. And like Kelly said, there's just not enough honey to make me like eating uh, grasshoppers. But John's message was very, very simple. The Messiah is coming. The kingdom of God is coming. So we all need to straighten up our lives and be ready when he comes. Baptism was given, given as a sign of their repentance and forgiveness of the past sins, but John expected change in the people's lives. They were expected to walk the straight and narrow from that moment on, producing good fruit, John said, and his message included more than just following the law. He encouraged people to care for their neighbors. If you have two tunics, give one away to your poor neighbor. Extra food must be shared with your neighbors. Tax collectors must become honest in taking no more than is strictly due for taxes. False accusations of neighbors had to stop. Even though John was a voice crying out way out in the wilderness, it was echoed, his voice was echoed back in the big city of Jerusalem. And people came from all over to the Jordan to be baptized by John. Even religious leaders would come to hear John preach because they dare not be left out or they would lose their following. When John saw them coming, he saw through their incorrect motivation and called them snakes in the grass and said, who told you to come straighten out your lives? Because of John's strict piety and the respect that the people had, he could get away with very harsh comments like that. One of the interesting things to me is to compare uh, John and Jesus. They were so, so very different. Uh, people immediately thought that John was the Messiah. When people saw Jesus, they didn't think that at first. Isn't that interesting? John was hardened and austere. There was no bending of this reed out in the wind. His message was harsh too. It was fire and brimstone. Don't think you're special because Abraham is your ancestor. God can make new ancestors for Abraham out of these rocks. The Messiah is coming like a logger with an axe in his hands. He's going to chop down all you trees that aren't productive. He's going to chop you down and throw you in the fires of hell. John was very serious all the time. There was no humor in that man. He was fire and brimstone. Meanwhile, Jesus was, by comparison, very mild-mannered. He preferred a tool that wasn't an axe, but rather was a short story, a parable. After John was put into prison by Herod because he criticized Herod's adultery, uh, John began to doubt that Jesus was the Messiah because Jesus just didn't fill his expectations fulfill his expectations where was that fire that was supposed to burn up the chaff where was the axe why this Jesus of Nazareth was content to heal the sick and forgive people that had done wrong why did Jesus just tell sweet little stories whereas John lived the strict life of very poor food and absolutely no wine Jesus attended parties all the time. 
and enjoyed consuming fancy food and good wine. The fact of the matter is that some of the people in Jesus' day would have preferred John over Jesus. They liked to step on your toes kind of preacher that John was. They weren't real sure about this soft-spoken, yarn-spinning, loving Messiah. Why, even Jesus even liked to use jokes in his sermons. Yes, he did. How can you say to your brother, let me take that little piece of dust out of your eye when you got a big stick of wood sticking out of your own eye? Take care of the plank in your eye first, and then you can see to help your brother with the speck in his eye. If you then, though you're evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to you? If your son asks you for a fish, you going to give him a snake instead? My favorite of Jesus' jokes was, what are the people of this generation like? You're like children playing in the marketplace, calling out to each other. We played a nice little song on our flute, but you wouldn't dance. And then we sang a sad song and you wouldn't cry. For John the Baptist came neither eating bread nor drinking wine. And you said, he's got a demon. He's crazy. The Son of Man came eating and drinking. And you say, he's a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom's children will know what's right and wrong. There was one more meritorious characteristic that John had that is worthy of our remembrance and praise. He didn't let his ego run wild, giving in to the temptation to become more than he was, more than God called him to be. Even though he was operating in the spirit of of Elijah, he wouldn't claim to be that prophet. And when people tried to make him the Messiah, John said, no, there's another one coming that's the Messiah, one much better and more powerful than I am. I'm not even worthy to carry the Messiah's shoes. When he comes, the Messiah will do something I can't do. He'll fill you with God's Holy Spirit. John was content just to be who God had called him to be. And John John did something else that we need to do every day of our lives as well. Like John, we're called to be builders of roads into people's hearts. Roads over which Jesus can travel into the lives of our friends. You and I cannot save anyone, but we sure can create opening in people's lives through which the Savior can enter their hearts. Let us be voices crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight for him to travel into your heart. Amen. I invite you now to stand as we affirm our faith in God using the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth.
Please be seated, and we will now worship God as we receive our morning offering. to offer but the peace that I hold in my heart the night I saw the heavens open as angels filled the sky but nothing's ever touched my soul like a verse the kings traveled so far from these bearing gifts to lay before the prince of peace we've seen the world and all its wonder but here before our Bring the world love. 
Let's stand and sing together.
shameless plug time. Band will be in concert on the 18th of December at 7 o'clock. Hope you'll be here. Now may you go forth in peace to be about the work of John the baptizer as well as the work of Jesus going into all the world, preparing the way of the Lord into people's hearts and lives. Amen. <coughs> Jesus Christ is born.